When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Get ready, Ohio. FanDuel, America's number one sports book, is coming to the Buckeye State. And to kick things off, you can get started with $100 in free bets as an early sign-up bonus. Plus, when you sign up today with promo code OHIOFD, you'll be all set when FanDuel goes live in Ohio. Then you can bet on all your favorite teams in all your favorite sports with $100 in free bets. Just download FanDuel's top-rated sportsbook app. It's safe, secure, and super easy to use. Ohio, this is your chance to get in on the action. Join today with promo code OHIOFD. Make every moment more with FanDuel, official sportsbook partner of the NFL. 21 or older and present in Ohio. Bonus issued in non-withdrawable free bets that expire seven days after FanDuel accepts its first real money sports wager in Ohio. one Unique user identity verification required. Offer ends on the go-live date. Restrictions apply. See terms at sportsbook.fanduel.com. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Hi, folks. Welcome to another episode of Film Study. This is Ken McCusick. Continuing today with the Concerns series we've had, and Josh Hoffman, a a regular on the show, probably has been on about four or five such podcasts already, here to talk about cap on defense and how that'll need to change in the coming years. Josh, how are you doing? I'm great, Ken. It is a pleasure as always. Appreciate having you back. Uh, So why don't you go ahead and introduce the topic uh, for starters. So uh, cap on defense, uh, certainly very high right now. The Ravens not playing a lot for their offense still. Very high. And the thing that concerns me, and I'm always concerned, I'm just a worry ward, I guess, is it's not about who they're paying, obviously, because you pay people and that's okay. The thing that's concerning is what happens when you can't pay them anymore. So it's a little bit top heavy on defense is what I'm seeing. We've got a Calais, Wolf, and uh, and Brandon Williams together are a lot. Um, Wolf is actually pretty cheap compared to the other two. So Calais and Brandon Williams together are $25 million. Uh, Peters and Marlon Humphrey together are 20 right now, I think. Um, Tavon, is, Tavon Young is $6 million. There's a question about that, of course. Uh, we don't really have anybody in our of our starters in our secondary uh, left on a rookie deal. I, I always look at your year-end roster evaluations, and I look mm-hmm. at that young producer category. That's that's so crucial because you, under the salary cap era, you've got to be having a lot of production on rookie deals in order to be competitive of course everybody who follows the game knows and i'm a little worried about the ravens defense because who can we put in that category now we've got queen harrison 
Matabike. Mm-hmm. And uh, I don't remember a time where the list was so sparse is, is my thing. It's a little thin. They got some some youth in the secondary. Of course, by trading Sean Wade, they they gave up one of the players who might have fit there. But, you know, if you believe in the young secondary and Stone and Stevens and Ardarius Washington and uh, Anthony Averett now still at the end of his rookie deal. So he'll be a young producer for the first look at the roster this year. Uh, at the end of the year, he will not be anymore because they'll have to sign him to a long term deal. Yeah, I don't remember a time like this with the secondary where there was so much of a gap between the established players and the up and coming. Remember for the longest time, uh, Jimmy Smith was our guy and he was when he was healthy, he was really good. I think a lot of Ravens fans forget sometimes just how good he really was. And for the longest time, it was him and we had Marlon up and coming and we had every reason to believe he was every bit as good. And, you know, going back before that, uh, we had Ladarius Webb, and I, I can't remember all the details, but it always seemed like we had a veteran and a rookie contributor, and now it feels like we have all veterans and young question marks. Yeah, it is quite a gap there, and, and the Ravens, I think, at, at, at corner in particular, is a position where they've got four guys who uh, are older. They've got Peters, uh, who's, who's making a lot of money, and it might be a point at which he has to go at, at the end of the season. They've got... Uh, Anthony Averett, who is going to make a lot of money and is a fourth-year player, obviously. And and, uh, if they could get a deal worked out, I would love to see that because I think he'd be the ideal person to make sure you keep the continuity going in this unit. Humphrey, of course, making a lot of money is uh, is not one of the concerns, though. Uh, Tavon Young, uh, coming back from injury, is a player that, that may not be in Baltimore after this year. Of course, it's always been perpetually Jimmy Smith's last year. And uh, he's on a very affordable deal now, two and a quarter million this year. Yeah, it wasn't long ago where Jimmy was the highest paid guy on the team, mm-hmm. except for Joe Flacco. Um, it was yeah. So it's I love having having Jimmy. He has lost a step, I think, but uh, that's a, it's great that they've been able to keep him around. I guess Peters is the guy out of everybody you just mentioned. Where the, he's, it's going to be very hard to understand how they could keep him. They could, but mm-hmm. it's it's going to get real dicey there. The key is not about any one position group because you can make it up somewhere. You know, say we had a bunch of young defensive linemen and we knew that we could part with Calais and Brandon Williams next year, which is nothing we, nothing any of us are going to be jumping up and down happy about. But if we had all this production somewhere, then you say, okay, well, you got the money to pay for the guys in the secondary. I guess the, the middle linebackers are where we've got the young uh, guys and we're excited about them. We've got Matabike. And I'm just wondering where is the where is the slack going to get picked up from the rookie deals? We've got a lot invested at wide receiver. Um, it's really just about these draft picks being productive. Yeah, I mean, I agree, and I think they didn't have a defensive line draft pick this year, which was to me very surprising. You know, Barmore was a the guy they could have had at the end of the first round. I think he ended up getting drafted around thirty-seven, thirty-eight. Uh, but they could have had him instead of either Oway or Bateman. Um, and, and there weren't very many good defensive linemen in the draft. So I guess I kind of understand why they didn't take one of the, you know, they could have gotten a backup nose tackle late in the draft. But they, but they really need to find probably two guys on the defensive line in the draft next year. I, I don't see a way they avoid two draft picks allocated to that position. Obviously, they have a lot of picks next year. So it should be in a position to do it. And hopefully that. The, the defensive line draft class will be better given all of the opt-outs 
for that group due to uh, size and shape concerns, I'll call it, with COVID. Okay. Yeah, that, I'm surprised they didn't this year. Offensive line is another one where there's a lot of question marks. Um, the only one who I feel like is a really good player, even outside of a Lamar Jackson offense, is on the big deal at Stanley, of course. Question marks there. I'm, I'm looking at um, – where our top draft picks have been, it's been wide receiver. And now with OA, we've got a first and uh, it was our second pick that year, but Ferguson was a third round pick, but that was mm-hmm. our first uh, pick or our second overall pick in the first and the third round. So we need, looking at that, we need these positions and these players to be stepping up because if we go into next off season with the usual annual wide receiver is the number one concern. and <laughs> It better not be. It can't be. It's a, it's a big, big, big fail if that is. It just can't. That's what I, I try to tell people with the, the Eric DaCosta situation. You know, this is a real big year for him because he is, he's really been dead serious about getting this wide receiver talent uh, in the room, you know, figured out. And since Suggs left, edge rusher has been glaring, a glaring concern. So that's got to be cleaned up a little bit too if that's still a problem i think i think we're going to see something something start to give away there with the ravens we've got lamar jackson so the team will be competitive but still yes and and honestly they've they've done the the edge position they've accomplished what they have so inexpensively uh in recent years i mean judon they allowed him to graduate off his rookie deal and and you know Go to the go to the Patriots, which is unfortunate that he that he went to a rival, but it's good in the sense that that uh, the Ravens will get a, a pick for him, and I think they've addressed the position reasonably in terms of of money and talent uh, to try and compete there, and uh, I think they're they're actually in pretty good shape there, and certainly relative to cap, just about as well as anywhere on the team. I, I'd say it's the it's that defensive line that they need to get cheaper, and and that's where a lot of the contribution to offense is going to have to come. Uh, in terms of getting Jackson paid and and uh, uh, where that money needs to come from. It's always fascinating to see how they do that. You were the one who got my attention on how well the Ravens were platooning positions uh, mm-hmm. before they had Queen. I remember you were discussing a lot about how maybe it didn't make sense to spend a first-round draft pick and a first-round draft, successful first-round draft picks, a second contract when they had done this great thing at weak side linebacker where I believe it was Kenny Young, Levine and I forget who the third guy was, but they had a whole rotation. It was a lot Owasso. Owasso, that's right. They, and they were subbing and it was great. And now they're doing it, as you pointed out, at defensive end. So it's almost like a science they're advancing there. And and, and Martindale is what makes all this stuff possible, of course. If we lose him, um, then I really will be on for concerns. <laughs> I, I, I had a guest on just yesterday, so Eric Eager from PFF. And what he said is that the um, the Ravens have done an exceptional job because pressures are more indicative of future pressures and pressures are more indicative of future sacks than sacks. Okay, so it's a really good leading indicator is how many pressures a a player has in a given year. And the Ravens have done a really good job of emphasizing pressures as being the thing they look for as a leading indicator. And in Bowser's case in particular, they're getting a lot of value there. You've got a good pressure rate. There's also a great coverage linebacker. But in other choices that they've made, they've gotten decent pressure rates that have not necessarily converted to sacks. McPhee is another guy in that category. Um, that, that still is a, a a reasonable pass rusher at this age and, and can provide you value, whereas other teams don't necessarily see that or value it the same way you do. 
They are very scientific about it. They're they're ahead of the curve on that. It's it's very impressive to me that they're managing to have any kind of pass rush. I can't wait to see how they do it against certain teams like Kansas City. Um, that seems to be the par excellence example of mm-hmm. you really can't you really have to have that four man rush with Kansas City, don't you? Or do you? That's- yeah, I mean, I I would agree. I think that that's that's always preferable anytime. Of course, the Tampa Bay really showed you can you can make that work in in the Super Bowl, and I think that other teams will will be trying to do it to Kansas City this year as a blueprint. Last year's game was a really bad one for the Ravens. They did a lot in trying to get after Mahomes and and get in his face. Uh, he destroyed the Ravens blitz in that game. Just destroyed it. Um, I want to say it, when he was might have been when the Ravens rushed six or more that he was like 15 out of 16, or it might've been that when they, when they uh, blitzed, he was 15 out of 16, which a lot of, a lot of people's definition is, is five man rush, but I'm using a, a, you know, sending somebody from off ball, but whatever the case, I mean, when you, when you thought you would have a good chance for pressure, he just picked the Ravens apart. And some of it was poor play by the Ravens linebackers, but there was other things going on in terms of, of, uh, him just having one of his great days in a great career for, for Mahomes. That Chiefs team is not the team where you can get away with a whole lot. I saw an analytic on um, amount of separation that players were getting, uh, pass catchers, and Kelsey and Hill and Watkins, uh, this was measuring, it might have been 2019, uh, they were all in the top 20. It was crazy. And you, when you watch them, you Of see, all receivers. Of all, all pass catchers. Kelsey. Yeah, all wow. pass catchers. So it was you know, he's, he's got that arm and he's accurate and he's good. And then these receivers are getting open and they're all in sync. And yeah, that's really the test. You cannot get away with anything with that team right there. You've got to be playing it square and you've got to have your seven guys in coverage. It seems anyway. So right, well, let's go back to the cap for a second and, and, yes. and let's talk about where, how would you do it for next year? What, what would be your, um, your mode to find, say, twenty or twenty-five million dollars that has to be allocated to Lamar Jackson mm-hmm. on an ongoing basis, uh, probably to pay for his contract. And now we've got the Andrews extension as well. Okay, I think, and this is nothing personal because I love a lot of these people, but I think Tavon has to go because even if Tavon stays healthy all year, I'm not going to believe it's going to happen for two years. It obviously mm-hmm. could, but I just can't live with that if I'm in charge. Uh, it's too much money. Maybe he takes a restructure. I, I, I'm still worried about the same thing. Um, Chuck Clark, I'm, I'm happy with. He's making 3.8 this year as his cap hit, so I'm living with that. I'm living with Deshaun Elliott. I'm living with Jimmy. Um, I'm really looking. Yeah, Elliott, to- you have to resign to a long term deal, so that's that's not an easy. Oh right, Elliot call is there. He's on his last year, right? Right. Yeah. So that is that's not an easy call because as great as he is in so many ways, there are other things you might look for in the free safety. So that could be a change. I think I think I'm not getting around that either. Brandon Williams, Calais Campbell, or Marcus Peters is going to have to go, and I would. It's harder to replace Peters. This year will tell a lot because we'll see how everybody's looking. But just off of what we've seen most recently, um, I'd like to believe that Matabike is going to step up and we don't need to be spending $25 million on two guys on the interior D-line, both on the back end of their career. So I think it's got to be one of those guys. They just signed Mark Andrews, of course, making big uh, wide receiver money, and I think he's worth it. I, think they, I would have kept him. I'm, I support that. I've heard people say we don't need to. Um, but to me, you take Andrews away from Lamar is a bad move. 
Yeah, let's go back to the defensive line for a second because I think mm -hmm. that's where most of the money is going to come from. Campbell, I would expect to retire at the end of this year. It's not a sure thing. He might go back and play somewhere for a year, but I don't think he'll be here. Um, it, the, the interesting player is Williams because he still is good. And, uh, you know, it's not that, that he's not a good player. It's that the Ravens need to pay him less than they're paying him right now. I could see him coming back on a uh, two-year eight to $10 million deal, you know, not certainly not going to make $12 million a year anymore, but if he's going to be a run stuffer and the Ravens still find value in that, I mean, I think he's, he's a player that, that could command that still even, you know, past 30, I guess he'll be 32 next year. I believe if, if I'm, if I'm correct. So, you know, it's at a point where you want to be a little bit squeamish about handing out a contract at all, but he's been a, you know, he's headed for the ring of honor for the Ravens clearly. And he, he, he's a player who I think, uh, you know, realistically could play two more years if he, if he plays well this year. I easily, I easily could play two more years. I think a few years ago, everybody thought that by this year, we would have had somebody replacing Williams because mm -hmm. he was always a big cap hit. But that, that just has not panned out. Uh, as you point out, as everybody knows, as soon as Williams is out of the lineup, you see you see how that works doesn't work mm -hmm. at all so that would be true yeah if we could if we could get him on something like uh you know five six million a year cap hit that would be whew, that would save a lot of a lot of pain right there i that would that wouldn't solve it though we're still uh if if, if uh calais retired and williams took a deal like that that would that would take care of that would get you let's call it 20 million from where we're at so we're about five away from from the compensating for what lamar gets paid I think you're about six more from Tavon. Yeah, we're getting the six from Tavon. So that more or less cleans it up, I think. Um, that, that's a big change, though, because that, uh, that there's some assumptions getting made there with that defensive line. I think it's okay, though, because Matt Abike is somebody I believe in a lot. I, I, I believe Adam, believe him. He just doesn't exactly address the run defense questions that I have. And so I, I want to have a, a player who I know I can rely on. Having Michael Pierce and Brandon Williams at the same time has spoiled us terribly. Oh, my I God. Mean, two great players playing side by side created one of the greatest run defense units. You know, you'll see. And the Ravens, despite the fact that league averages for rushing were, were drifting up for a number of years, uh, never allowed four yards in a season until I think 2019. So yeah. it's just it's uh it, you know absurd that the Ravens should have that kind of long term success. And they got Pierce from an undrafted free agent, so I was also yep. spoiled thinking they could do it any time they liked, <laughs> whenever they want. Yeah, yeah just, they just want. get a Michael Pierce, we're good. <laughs> and so the 2018 draft class, all, class is all coming due, and another guy that's that's a, a big question mark is going to be Bradley Bozeman. Mm. So they they probably are going to want to pay him. Would be my guess to try and keep the offensive line as as continuous as possible and it's really a question as to as to what he's worth i mean he may he may come out that he's an eight million dollar center after this year wouldn't also shock me that he comes out he's a four million dollar guy after this year it wouldn't even be impossible if you know if he get got hurt or something awful happened it's it's not hard to imagine him having to take a vet min contract next year if if things really went wrong as they did for matt scura i agree with you and i have big question marks with the offensive line I, i'm not one of our all 22 watchers but i try to glean as much wisdom as i can and i just don't know what to say about the ravens offensive line because i don't know how much the lamar jackson effect makes them look good or not good, and yeah. not to mention a fantastic run game makes them look good. There is one thing I noticed. Uh, I mentioned this when I was on with uh, Tim uh, Edgar Allen, where 
I was noticing that uh, life can get made hard for an offensive lineman by Lamar occasionally, which is when he's in the pocket and he's staying in the pocket and he's avoiding pressure and he jumps backward or forward very quickly, about three or four yards. Now, if you're a lineman and a guy's coming straight through you at the moment and then Lamar switches positions, it you know moves backwards, say, five yards. Now, the guy who had to come straight through you is moving essentially at a 90-degree angle, and now you've got to hold yeah. them to get away. So life can get hard, but mostly life is made very easy. So I wonder about all of these, except for Stanley, I wonder about all of these linemen and how good are they really? They might be just as good as I think, but I have a funny feeling that they wouldn't be as successful or even anything close to it if they were not in this offense where they get to have the, all the benefits that go with it. So I see your point. I mean, I, I would agree at right tackle in particular, this has been a place where the, the, the game has been made very easy for that position specifically. So I, it wouldn't shock me if, if, uh, if a player like Villanueva maybe is on a one year deal uh, here and he might, he might get caught and they might try and draft another right tackle. Uh, Zeitler I think is actually part of the glue. They want to hold this line together and it could be, it could be all the four guys from there to the left. If Ben Cleveland ends up being who we hope he is, uh, or if Ben Powers ends up who he could be, I mean, either one of them could could come through and be a be a real player. Then I think you might have four of your offensive line spots decided, and maybe one reserve as well. So uh, I think so. Nice. I think we do. Uh, and it's the center position. I wonder about. I thought they were going to draft uh, the guy Creed Humphrey maybe when he was available. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I think with the guard, I, it does seem like we have a lot of guard talent, not enough tackle talent, and center is a giant question mark. We have a few guys who we like, but we, we were good with the guards. I'm with you there. The right tackle, it's interesting how what they were doing last year where they had Phillips and um, Fluker essentially rotating mm-hmm. at right tackle on drives, and uh, you you would know if that's uh, it's not unprecedented, yep. but I'd never seen that, and they were getting away with it, and I don't think you get away with that a lot of times. That's the Lamar Jackson effect for you, I think. Yeah, it's it's very unusual that teams rotate by series. It's not unheard of, but it is very unusual, and uh, it's it's something that uh, I. I, I it, it usually means you don't have a good player at all. It usually mm-hmm. means you're rotating two guys who aren't very good. Um, the Ravens have done it at cornerback, which is another position where you never have rotation of that type. And they've done it with good players. Like in 2018, uh, Marlon Humphrey was the MVP of the team and he only played 68% of the snaps for the whole year. And and that was because they were rotating back there. Jimmy Smith was get, you know getting snaps and Tavon, of course, was getting snaps and uh, Carr was getting snaps at that time. Mm-hmm. So uh, they, they – it, it can be done, but I just think usually it means you don't have a good player. But the Ravens at left guard this year it might actually mean they have two good players. But the, I'm, I'm amazed, by the way, that Powers seems to be the starter because I thought he was in the doghouse. I would have bet you mm-hmm. anything that he wasn't going to be a starter and because I just the way the way he didn't get to start last year when they had well arguably last year he might have been fourth to start the year on the depth chart at right guard because they had uh, how did it go? They had Phillips. And then it seemed like Fluker and then Macari all before Powers would get in there. So it took this apocalypse of injuries before we saw Powers. And I'm, I'm thinking that I'm smelling a rat, of course, there. And I'm thinking it's, you know, does he not practice well? Is it one of those things? So right. I'm pleased that he's uh, showing out, showing up here and, and uh, possibly coming up as a contributor. But either way, um, we've got guys that we like there. So that's going right. to be good. Big changes. Coming for the Ravens of over the next uh, year, and and this is going to be a very interesting off season and trying to determine how they want to spend their 
fairly significant number of draft picks and draft capital, additional lottery tickets. They have plenty of them. They have some ability to move up. They won't, don't have any, they don't have the kind of draft capital that's going to get them elite talent. We don't believe no one in the top 10, but they do have guys that, that uh, uh, right tackle in particular is often a second round position. And they probably have a good opportunity to draft one of those to, to establish their cap needs. Josh, but great having you on the show always is uh, come on, tell folks where they can find your work. Um, I don't really have any work. You just have to you just have to catch me when you catch me. I am on Twitter at Josh underscore E underscore Hoffman. Um, so I'm around um, talking Ravens, stuff like that. Always a pleasure having you on. Thanks so much for coming on again, Josh. Thank you so much for having me, Ken. Always fun. We'll talk to you next time on Film Study. <laughs> When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.